Hello again, and welcome to our Governing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Peregrine. We're so pleased to have you with us today. Well, the economic gauges are continuing to go nuts, and they're driving healthcare boards nuts as well in their efforts to try and evaluate the data. As the most recent economic news indicates, we're seeing a slowdown in hiring, coupled with a continuing decline in the unemployment rate, coupled with an increasingly tight job market. Mix it all together with a 7% unemployment rate and an increasing number of workers simply leaving the workplace, you know, the great resignation, and it's all pretty confusing. Yet it's so very important for the board and its key committees like finance and human capital to understand the import of this data if they're going to be able to provide effective oversight and be a resource to management, especially in connection with labor supply, compensation, and workforce retention strategies. So to help us interpret all this, we've asked our old friend, John Challenger, the highly regarded CEO of Challenger, Gray and Christmas, the prominent executive outplacement firm, to join us again. John's going to share with us his perspective on economic trends, the messages he derives from them, and what it means for board oversight generally, and for the work of the finance, human capital, and strategic planning committees. And of course, you've seen John on the Today Show, you've heard him on NPR, you've read his quotes. John is one of the most prominent national thought leaders today on the economy and the workforce. And as our clients have repeatedly told us, he's been one of the most popular guests we have had in all the years we've been broadcasting this podcast. John, welcome back. And not a moment too soon from all that we can pick up from our clients We've got a lot of listeners, board members, CLOs, CFOs, and CHROs, all interested in your take on the current economic news. And they're hoping you can decode for them what they've been reading about in the papers the last couple of days. So let's dive right into this and take a look at the data that has just recently surfaced in the papers and from the government. And I guess I'll start with what I was reading over the last couple of days, John. It looks like hiring slowed down in December. But the unemployment rate has also declined further. And then there's this still increasing amount of turnover reports that more workers have quit their job than ever before. What's going on? Well, we are in a very tight labor market, even with jobs slowing down uh, a bit. Unemployment rate dropped uh, three tenths of a percent. Uh, We're getting very close to where we were pre-pandemic. So the unemployment rate now is 3.9%. It was 3.5% in February of 2020. You know, there's 6.3 million people unemployed right now, and that was 5.7 million in February 2020. So this is the definition of a tight labor market, and it's made uh, particularly tight because so many people have left the workforce. They're not looking for work or want to be employed. And that is particularly what's making the labor market so much different. And what makes it so challenging for employers right now uh, is there's four and a half million people uh, who ought to be in the workforce if we were pre-pandemic, and they have chosen so far not to come back. John, we're going to transport you into the boardroom right now, and you're meeting, uh, you're presenting at a combined meeting of the full board and the in it, the members of the Human Resources Committee. They are going to want to know, what in the heck does John think about the great resignation? How do you define it? And whom does it involve? Are these people ever coming back? 
Well, the great resignation is also something just, a, you know, one more added piece to it. And that is not only are there four and a half million people who just aren't ready to come back. Uh, I do think they will at some point, And we can talk about who they are. But there's also then because of this very tight labor market and the pressure for employers, healthcare companies to find good people, is that there's a lot of people resigning and just moving to other places. They're being offered you know, much higher wages, new challenges. There's a lot of uh, search and poaching going on inside companies with the people who are employed. And so the great resignation, it combines both the people who right now have decided to leave the workforce and not start looking again, and the people who are in uh, companies and in demand and really in the driver's seat. I want to split that up into a couple of questions, John, because this is really interesting. On the great resignation, who are those folks? If you read the papers, they're the the people at the lower level of of job complexity and responsibility, the the waiters, the the folks like that, who are basically saying, I don't need this anymore. Do you agree with that? Or how would you define the, the subset of people who have just left the market and are sitting it out for a while? Well, I think it's some different people, too, different segments of the workforce. There are parents who are at home who are worried about their children. You know, wouldn't you be? You know, you've got a young child, you're worried about him or her getting COVID. You just don't know. And that, you know, is the most important thing in your life to you. So you say, I'm not going to be the person who brings that home to my child. Then you've got people who've been in the workforce for a long time with comorbidities, and they are in extra danger, you know, uh, or feel that way. And, and, and maybe that's also, it. you have to realize it's perception. So there's just a certain number of people who are extra fearful, you know, of either giving it, say, to a child or an older person in their life, or themselves are, you know, uh, feel like they're at much greater risk. They're just not willing to come back right now. The, the um, extra gain they get is not worth the risk they're taking. So it seems like a, you know, a normal calculation. You know, and then there are low-wage workers who are saying maybe the, you know, the, the gain I get is not worth it. But, you know, we've seen the supplemental um, uh, unemployment and I think they are coming back in, but they are also really willing to move jobs for just a small increment of money. And so what's happening, say, inside hospitals and other organizations is uh, you know, your, your lower wage workers with minimum wage going up and, and other employers looking for them, you know, they're willing to offer them $2 more an hour and they're willing to jump than your people. Uh, so they resign and go somewhere else. Well, hold on to that thought, and because I think that's extremely important. And let's look at the other group, the the people that say are moving around, are, are are taking advantage of the market and are looking for higher wages. And it's not that they're upset with their jobs. It's just they're marketing themselves to a more attractive officer. Who are those folks, John? How would you classify those people who are just basically putting themselves as free agents? Well, I, they can be in every area of your company. They can be some of the most talented people like your technology folks, your clinical people, you know, ones who have skills that are in demand and they know it and they can go get extra, just like that, the orderlies who can go, you know, either stay, go to another uh, organization, healthcare organization, or even decide to move, you know, outside of healthcare, you know, and get paid more money. It may not be the kind of increment that a technologist would get, but still, it's extra wages and people are taking advantage of that good position they've got at really throughout your employee base. 
So, John, is it fair to say, listening to you, for for the the folks that are responsible for the human resources policies of the organization, that we've got about three classifications. One is the group of people who are, for societal reasons, are not coming back, or at least not ready to come back right now. Another group of people who are saying, it's not worth it for me to work. I'll listen to something that gives me more money, but I'm not so in love with my job that it makes me uh, leave the house in the middle of winter and come back and go to work. And then the third people who are maybe at different levels of uh, in the organizational hierarchy who are basically saying, I'm happy to shop around for a better deal because within the tight market. Is, is that a fair allocation of these groups? I'd say so. They don't even really have to shop around today. It's so easy. So it used to be that people inside organizations say you're talented and technical people. Uh, other companies didn't know who, where, you know who they were or where they were. But today, everything's public on LinkedIn. You know, in fact, you're, in a sense, your whole employee database is sitting there. And those people don't have to go out and shop themselves around. Uh, often recruiters are looking through LinkedIn, finding them and sending them notes, notes and inducing them to come you know, uh, proactively. John, I think some of our board and committee members are sitting there scratching their head and, and wondering, how big of a deal is this? Is, is it a media creation or is this really the significant employment and HR issue that it would appear to be? I really think it is a real issue. If you talk with uh, your recruiters, you know, they're having a, a very difficult time finding people. Retention rates are down, so it's harder harder to hold on to people. So you have to replace more people. I think if you go into those talent management organizations inside your uh, company and talk with the people, you'll see how difficult it is. I was talking with a recruiter today who said that the difficulty is fi- uh, for us is finding recruiters. We've seen some of the staffing companies bought up by companies just um, trying to build their own internal recruiting departments because they can't find recruiters out in the job market. So one of the hottest job titles uh, or skill sets is recruiter right now. Same strategy for all three categories, John, or do we have to apply different styles and different approaches for each one of these classifications of, of workers who are on the move? Well, certainly you know, flexible work and schedules uh, seems to be really important for parents. Um, particularly. So if you're concerned about, you know, how you're going to manage um, your, um, your, your children, you know, uh, you know having uh, access to daycare, childcare, maybe even at the organization, having flexible schedules that allow people to fit to their, their children's schedules, or maybe their caregiving schedules for if it's an older parent or something, those can be really valuable perks. You know, at the lower levels, you know, it's it's often about money. You know, a couple more dollars, you know, an hour can really cause you know movement back and forth. And so you know, we're seeing wages go up, we're seeing inflation go up, and that really has much to do with with what's going on on the wage front. How about promotions, John? Is that a play in, is that a role? Sure. I mean, what happens, you know, is uh, one of the reasons that people are one of the inducements, you know, for the kind of poaching or recruiting out of your organization, you know, to uh, say your best employees, your most critical employees, you know, are that uh, we'll give you a promotion to the next level. Um, So not only will we pay you more money, we'll give you more responsibility. And if you can do that within, but right, every structure, you you only have so many people and places to go. So the promotions can't be, you know, not real ones. 
I was about to say, what's the ripple effect of offering promotions as an attraction, a retention? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, interestingly, one HR exec, CHRO, said to me, you know, uh, who lost some really good people, but to much higher wages and better jobs, he said, they're seeing things in these people we don't see. Yeah, that's so interesting. And that's a lesson, again, to the people who are listening in terms of uh, uh, the ability of a HR committee to support the CHRO to be sensitive to these issues. I guess one related question, John, how much does Omicron uh, uh, play a part in this? Or is that kind of a secondary issue in terms of the issues that you're dealing with? Well, Omicron and, and uh, the ongoing you know, issues with COVID you know, are you know, certainly driving kind of at the core still of what's going on, you know, in terms of getting people back to work, if you want to get them back to work. And so companies have been victimized by this kind of start stop phenomena from the beginning of COVID. Yeah, we're coming back to work. We're going to need you in more often. Uh, No, we're not going to. We're going to have to pull back on that because uh, another surge has occurred. John, I guess, you know, one of the things that I've been reading about lately and it was, I think, from Ezekiel Emanuel was saying we need to be focusing now on the concept of, of living with the pandemic, the, the normalization of the pandemic in our life and moving on. To what extent does the normalization of the pandemic affect these issues? Uh, and should employers begin to be looking at these as, as, as long term issues as opposed to perhaps short term uh, Omicron related considerations? How do we live with this from an HR perspective? Wow, I think that's um, exactly uh, where we're at. It does feel with Omicron, we're moving more into the endemic stage. Yes. Pandemic, where we're learning to live with it. Uh, If it if if this uh, Omicron does drop off more quickly, you know, and I think people will be quicker to come back, um, you know, to kind of um, you know the more the kind of the normalization that was going on. So I do think in many ways, you know, we are, uh, and employers have, are, and, and they're, they're, you know, they're people, they are getting used to this and trying to uh, work out you know, routines, you know, balance between work and life and, and being at home and being at the office uh, that uh, are going to define what the next era is about. I have to ask this question because this goes to certainly one of Challenger Gray's sweet spots. What's the impact at the senior executive level? Are, are, are these same ripples uh, affecting them as well, or is it a little bit more stable a situation? Well, senior levels uh, you know, are just like every other level. Company, companies are looking uh, at their other companies are looking at their uh, at, at talent. Uh, they're looking to bring people in. So senior people are getting offers uh, or getting requests to talk from other companies because the job market is so tight. Uh, search firms, executive search firms are at some of their busiest ever. So there's a lot of turnover and change and resignation inside uh, that executive group as well. John, before we leave, there are a couple of quick questions. One is, uh, and I hate to do this to you, but I, you know, you and I are gentlemen of a certain age where we we went through the last inflation surge. Uh, we may have uh, been in graduate school at the time, but we remember it. We lived it. We went through the, you know, the daily headlines. What does seven percent inflation mean to the job market? Mean to the role of the HR executive? mean to those on the board who are supervising employee retention 
and extension? How bad of a situation is it going to be? It's another big factor in what's driving people, your employees, to either demand more money or leave for other organizations that offer them more money. Think about you know 7% inflation or even 5.5% if you take out food and energy. If you give someone a 5.5% wage increase, they broke even. So if they got a 2% wage increase, which is kind of what we've been used to over the last several years, 2 or 3% on average, uh, they uh, lost purchasing power. And the, the further down your organization gets where people spend everything that they bring in to manage their lifestyles, the more that begins to hit home. So the real issue with inflation you know, for a company, well, one of them, uh, for the HR exec, is that their people are becoming, your people are becoming less satisfied, less able to live their lifestyles or maintain them based on the wages they're getting. Uh, John, we have some CFOs and folks on, in the audience today who also serve on the board's finance committee. Uh, when do you expect the Fed to increase its interest rate? And what do you think the economic impact will be from that increase? Well, certainly they're talking about the fact that they expected uh, this kind of inflation, that they've been working at easing, quantitative uh, easing, but, you know, purchasing less uh, in the market. Uh, so I think we'll see you know, that continue to occur in 2022. They've got that on the, uh, in their plans. Uh, it looks like an interest rate um, uh, ri- you know, rise of some kind, raise of some kind will occur in 2022. So the Fed seems to be prepared for this, talking about steps to try to curb inflation if it continues. And again, we know we've got this inflation in part because of the wage inflation, that kind of wage price spiral, which was a term from the 80s. It seems to be happening in some places as people move around and companies have to decide whether to pay up for their people. And then we've got all the supply chain issues, which should dissipate over time. And that should put downward pressure on inflation. Any reason for optimism from your perspective as we talk today? Sure. I think that um, that move from pandemic to endemic uh, is crucial uh, to this next phase of economic growth. I mean, we're we, we're in a very strong uh, job market, and that's a sign of a good economy with unemployment this low. People are working. Uh, that's good for the population. It's just that we're still in the middle of, of coming to terms you know, what, with what it's like living in COVID. That's a wonderful point on which to end our conversation, but I'll have to ask you, like we always do every year when you join us, what's your basic message, John, to those who are serving their healthcare system on the board or particularly on the HR committee, uh, what would your recommendations be for them today, given where we stand with the tight job supply, hiring uh, slowing down and the unemployment rates going down and and these three categories of uh, resigning employees? What's your core message that you want them to take away? This is a crucial issue, how to retain uh, the people you have in this period. We didn't even begin to touch on it, you know, era of burnout in healthcare almost as much as any area is seeing some of that from people who've been overworked. How to retain your people uh, and how to find new ones is a crucial issue, ought to be right at the top of every board concern. John Challenger, a fabulous conversation, uh, so timely as always. And I think all listening will especially appreciate your view of optimism Because I got to tell you, sometimes you look at this and it looks like, holy cow. Uh, And when you mentioned the wage price spiral, all I can remember is 18% interest rates when I was in law school. So we don't want to go back to that. But you do have hope, do you not? 
I don't think we're going to get that far. Let's let's end on that high point, John. That's right. Let's quit while we're ahead. John Challenger has offered us a straightforward but optimistic interpretation of the economic data as it relates to how health systems and their boards should approach strategies relating to employee retention and recruitment in a continually challenging economic environment. Whether it's the tight job market, inflation, or the great resignation, John's comments suggest that the human capital and finance committees are likely to be pretty busy in 2022. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of Governing Health. Be sure to subscribe to the full complimentary podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. There you'll be able to stay up to date with all of our future issues and to re-listen to the old ones. Until then, I'm your host, Michael Peregrine, saying thanks so much for listening. This material is for general information purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or any other advice on any specific facts or circumstances. No one should act or refrain from acting based upon any information herein without seeking professional legal advice. McDermott, Will & Emery makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the content herein. McDermott and the contributing presenters or authors expressly disclaim all liability to any person in respect of consequences of anything done or not done in reliance upon the use of contents included herein. Copyright 2022, McDermott, Will & Emery. All rights reserved. Any use of these materials, including reproduction, modification, distribution, or republication without the prior written consent of McDermott is strictly prohibited. This may be considered attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.